Is Michigan State basketball actually on the bubble? Also, should Michigan State basketball ever play a game at Jenison? We got a big weekend for hockey, and then we dive into the mailbag to talk everything from the 2026 Michigan State Notre Dame game to jump in Johnny Green. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you will get $150 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week. Please rate, review, subscribe, comment below. And hey, if you ever want to hit us up, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. A lot of questions lately. We're going to get to those in segments two and three here. But before going any further, just want to do a quick programming note. We are going to have a show tomorrow. That's right. We usually just kind of stop things after today, Thursday night on YouTube, Friday morning on the podcast. But we will be joined by a relatively big guest, in my opinion, tomorrow. I don't want to say who it is, but it is a guy that you have seen on your television very, very recently, actually, if you watched the MSU-Iowa game. So, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. I also don't want to jinx it. So, yes, yeah, stay tuned for that tomorrow. Also, after the Ohio State game, we will not have a recap episode until Monday afternoon. Hopefully early afternoon on Monday. So, just two quick episode notes there. Stay tuned tomorrow. A little bonus show. And then be a little patient, please, after the Ohio State game. All right. Speaking of that Ohio State game... Is this a quote-unquote must-win for Michigan State to avoid being on the bubble, on the wrong side of the bubble, or just causing mass hysteria around East Lansing? And now it's not just me kind of hypothesizing, saying my own opinions with no facts. We reached out to one of the experts here, one of the best bracketologists in the nation. His name is Joe Cook Sugart. He does work for 131 Sports. He is one of the best bracketologists according to the Bracket Matrix. Now, what the Bracket Matrix does, they comb through all 100-plus bracketologies across the Internet. They balance out, well, not only where our team's seated, which right now, by the way, Michigan State, according to more than 100 bracketologists, is the last seven seed right now. But they also rank, hey, who is the most accurate bracketologist year in and year out? Our guy Joe at 131 Sports is the second best in the last three years. So I just threw him two questions before this weekend's matchup, 4 p.m. against Ohio State. Question number one was how bad of a finish would MSU have to have in to be in danger of missing the tournament? Now, his answer was, I think, uh, 500-plus in these last four locks them in. They'll be sweating if they finish one and three, especially considering they should be favored against Ohio State, Northwestern, and Indiana. Now, that is correct. Of course, Michigan State's not going to be favored at Purdue. They will be roughly 10-point underdogs. But in those three games like this Sunday, they should be 8-point favorites against Ohio State is what the computers are telling us. And then for senior night, 6-point favorites against Northwestern. And then even at Assembly Hall, it's been a really brutal season for Indiana, should be 4-point favorites against the Hoosiers. Just go 2-2, two and two, Joe Cookshire says, and you should be squarely on the right side of the bubble. Now, question number 2. We kind of hypothesize that, okay, let's say that it is chalk. Let's say that they do finish 3-1. and one. And let's say they go 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten tournament. They win their opening night game, and they lose their second game. I asked any telling what a seed would look like should that scenario unfold. Now, the water, 
despite being late February, is still a little murky here. He writes, 4-2 total to get to 21-12 and 12 could have them anywhere between a 6 seed and a 9 seed, depending on how the rest of the teams around them play down the stretch. As you're aware, 6 or 7 seed is infinitely better than the 8-9 if they want to make the second weekend. Correct. Correct. Uh, doesn't even take a guy as, as smart and brilliant of a mind as Joe is to realize that, but it was nice, kind of comforting in a way to hear that Hey, the sixth seed is still in play. I don't know if, you know, that's going to be uh, the expectation. I don't really know if that's going to high chance of what Michigan State could end at. But the sixth seed is still roughly on the table. So those are the two questions. We'll keep checking in with Joe here as we get closer to Selection Sunday. And I'm hoping to in the week between the Big Ten Tournament and Selection Sunday to actually... I'm sorry, the week between the end of the regular season and the Big Ten Tournament to have him on the show to give us a clear picture of what he is projecting. So, is this a must-win on Sunday? No, but boy, does that collar get a little tightened if you do drop this game. Because again, you're eight-point favorites. This is the most you will be favored against a team the rest of the regular season. So, if you want to have a nice little cushion here as you go into West Lafayette against Purdue... Yeah, beating the Buckeyes, who just fired their coach not too long ago. That might be a good place to start. Also, just a quick side note, as far as bracketologists go, we got a question recently. We actually got a few of these questions of, hey, who else should Michigan State be rooting for to help their own resume? Point blank, we are Terrapin fans, and we are we are Sycamore fans too. Indiana State, they're 31 in the net right now. That means that our quad one win against them slid down to a quad two. And Maryland is just outside the top 75, which that road win against them is no longer quad one win. It's actually now a quad two. So they are right on the cusp of becoming quad one again. So go Terrapins, go Sycamores. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about this game coming up. This weekend, again, Sunday, 4 p.m. CBS should be a delightful way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Now let's talk about these Buckeyes, who obviously have had a rough go at it this season. They fired Chris Holtman midway through the year, but against all odds, hey, new interim coach, good luck against Purdue, second-best team in the country, and I didn't even need the luck because they beat Purdue by four points. Now, what is Ohio State good at? All right, they are top 40 in offensive efficiency in the country. Like, their offense has not been the problem this year. They do a really good job at keeping the ball. Their turnover percentage is 52nd best in the nation, just turning the ball over 15% of their possessions. They actually only had six turnovers in total against Purdue, and, well, the more times you get to shoot the ball and not turn it over... It's going to help you win games. How about that for some hard-hitting analysis right there? Now, they do have a handful of players that we're going to keep our eye on. And I know that, hey, they got Bruce Thornton. Okay, they have Jamison Battle, a guy that's been in college basketball for 12 years and is having his best season shooting the ball. But excuse me for just having my eyes go right to the front court because at, as it has been very apparent, not just this season, but the last few seasons, if, if you have four functioning limbs and you have a pulse – you're probably going to have your best day as a big man. We just saw Cricky have his best day for Iowa. We just saw Terrace Reed have his way against Michigan State. So my eyes go to Zed Key. He doesn't even start for Ohio State, but at six foot eight, he finishes at 72% around the rim. That could be enough to keep our eyes on Zed Key having a solid game against Michigan State. Now they're starting big man, Felix Akpara. 
Not really a front-to-the-basket score. Heck, he's not even a back-to-the-basket score. This guy struggles on the offensive end. Imagine that, having a center that really struggles on the offensive end here. But still, <laughs> guys, we've seen enough Michigan State basketball where even we got to be a little leery of like, ah, hmm, <laughs> could this guy do some damage? Now, guys that are more likely to do some damage than Felix Akpar, we're going to talk about Bruce Thornton a little bit, Jameson Battle. Because it is seared into my memory from what happened last year in the Big Ten Tournament. Bruce Thornton just having his way with Michigan State. He's having a strong sophomore season. 16 points, 4 assists. Now a high-volume player. He's taken nearly 13 shots per game. He takes a little over 5 three-pointers a game. Just a 32% shooter from long range. But still... That's the straw that stirs a drink for Ohio State. Bruce Thornton, a guy that had his way with the Spartans last year in the Big Ten Tournament. And Jamison Battle, who started his career at George Washington, then went to Minnesota for two years, and now ending his career at Ohio State. Career best, 43% from three-point land, and he is unconscious. From the free-throw line, 95% is what he is hitting at the free-throw line. So those are the three players that I'm worrying about. Bruce Thornton, of course, Jamison Battle, and then Zed Key off the bench. Again, it's going to refresh everyone's memory here. And I know that you probably don't want to hear it, especially after what happened last time when we were 9.5-point favorites against Iowa. But Michigan State, according to Bart Torvik, is 7.9-point favorites. They project a 72-65 to 65 win for our Spartans. So there you have it. We're going to talk about the other big weekend against Ohio State on the ice here in a hot second, get to some email questions. But first, need to talk your ears off about Ibotta. That is right. New friend of the program, Ibotta. Grocery bills are so expensive these days. It's unbelievable. But now they don't have to be. Start getting cash back on your grocery shopping with the free Ibotta app and get cash back every time you shop. Now, Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys so you can make sure that you are beating inflation no matter what you are purchasing. Other apps give you points, right, that don't amount to very much. But with Ibotta, just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. It is so simple with Ibotta. So join over 50 million users at Ibotta, and right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, all one word when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, that's I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or the App Store, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. All right, it's not just on the hardwood. The Spartans have a big game against the Buckeyes, but those icy Spartans are on the precipice of their first ever Big Ten regular season title. They have a four-point lead against Wisconsin. Both teams have four games left. Both teams, Wisconsin and Michigan State, will meet in Madison for a two-game series to end the season. It would bring a lot of relief and jubilation to Michigan State fans if they could just seal the deal at Munn, which, by the way, there's not been hockey played at Munn since, I believe, January 27th. It has been a long stretch since we've seen Michigan State for a home series there. Uh, but, yes, it would be nice to just, I don't know, get six points and call it a championship. Um, if you want to see the game, either go to Munn, which tickets are, whew, 
On the game time app, hey, they have the flash deals there. You might want to take advantage of those flash deals because this is a tough ticket to get. Or you could watch on TV at Big Ten Network Plus because, uh, hey, instead of watching a team potentially clinch the Big Ten title, Big Ten Network on Friday night is going to have Michigan Notre Dame hockey. So, Great job marketing your sport once again, Big Ten Network. Just an awesome job with hockey that they do. Give me a break. All right, now the last time these two teams met was in Columbus. Michigan State won the pair of those games 6-4 and 6-0. Really had their way with the Buckeyes. Now, Ohio State is last place in the Big Ten. They are 2-7 in their last nine games. But hold on a second. Those two wins are their most two frequent games. They beat Wisconsin. They really helped Michigan State here. They beat them over the weekend in Columbus. So, Ohio State, a little hot coming into East Lansing right now. Now, the Buckeyes on the whole season, they are last in the conference at goals scored per game. And second, they give up the second most amount of goals in the Big Ten, too. So, Michigan State... Should be expected to win. I don't think I'm overstepping by saying that, so we'll see if they can get the job done this weekend. Now, for scoreboard watching purposes, Wisconsin, they hit the road to take on the second-worst team in the Big Ten, Penn State. But as we just saw from the Badgers over the weekend, hey, winning games on the road in hockey is just as tough as winning games on the road anywhere else in college. So we'll see if the Nittany Lions can give Michigan State some favors. And it's just been... A lot of fun here watching Michigan State hockey. There's just two stats that I want to run by right now just to give it a good comparison to where we are right now juxtaposed from where we were two years ago in the last season under Danton Cole. Right now, as things stand, four games left in the regular season. Michigan State has 11 guys with 7-plus goals. Two years ago, there were just five guys with 7-plus goals. That speaks to the depth. That speaks to the excitement of which Michigan State just plays their hockey. They are very offensive-oriented, but it is a deeper team. We just saw the third and fourth lines have really good weekends against Michigan not too long ago. And, hey, if just not goals are, are your thing, how about this? 16 guys on this team with 10-plus points. This season, two years ago, it was just 11 guys with double-digit points. So the program is growing, it's growing rapidly, and it's growing in depth. Now, I do want to riff on this for a little bit before we get to a mailbag question. I'm just going to ask myself an email question. I know that's very self-centered and selfish of me, but I'm watching Penn State take on Illinois the other night at Rec Hall at Penn State, where they play volleyball, where they have wrestling matches. They shrunk it down. They didn't play at Bryce Jordan. They played at Rec Hall, which seats 6,500 fans. It was a raucous atmosphere. Penn State, a sensational comeback. I think they were down 8 points with 30 seconds left. They stormed the court after beating top 15 Illinois. It was probably the best atmosphere that you could find in a Penn State game in recent history. It's no secret, they have a really hard time selling out their main arena, all right? They have to curtain off the upper deck more times than not, so they shrunk it down. And that's kind of a trend that you're seeing all over the country, like Houston's new arena down there. That's like a 7,000-seat arena, all right? Baylor just opened up a place, just 10,000 seats, whereas Breslin Center, we're looking at 16,000 seats. Now, what I'm not saying is that Breslin needs to shrink. Breslin has no problem filling up the arena, okay? Like, they have no problem most games getting 16,000 fans to fill those seats. But I do go back almost a decade now. Sorry. Oh, my God, I'm old. More than a decade, rather. Back in 2012, Michigan State, if anyone remembers, they had a game at Jenison. 
against Tuskegee. And it was just this nice December game where if it was at Breslin Center, not much juice probably on that game. But since it was at Jenison, very cool. I think they should run that back. It's been far too long since the game has been at Jenison. I do remember I went with my dad and my brother the night before they had an alumni game. It was a very cool, intimate atmosphere. I also remember it being roughly 95 degrees in that building. But I think like once every, I don't know, two or three years, Michigan State should host a game at Jenison. Not a conference game, because we all know this. Breslin Center is one of the best atmospheres in the nation already. This isn't a thing like per, or like Penn State where you need to tighten it up. You do need a small arena to make it a more hostile atmosphere. I think instead that just do what they did a few years ago. Just have like a random December game against a, a group of five team. Bring them up here, play at Jenison, and just make it a, a cooler game than it would be at Breslin. I don't know. I, that's just me spitballing. If you agree with me, comment below, email me, and uh, yeah, let's let's peer pressure Michigan State into getting another game at Jenison because that was just cool to see at Rec Hall over at Penn State. Now, some quick news that we just have to get to here. Um, this is news that broke a while ago, but God, we've been really busy. We have not gotten to this. Prairie View A&M, they are going to be getting paid $500,000 for coming up here for a potential slaughter in East Lansing, and Louisiana got paid $600,000 for Michigan State canceling the game. It was originally reported that Louisiana canceled on us, flipped that script, um, that we canceled on them, so Michigan State is $1.1 million in the hole for that. I don't have much commentary. College athletics have enough money to deal with it, so I, I, I'm not losing sleep one way or another. The second piece of news, Coach Kapilovic, the former offensive line coach, look at him, just getting a, a great gig. He was at Baylor for about two cups of coffee, now at Alabama, if you caught that news. Uh, good luck to him. Look, I know the offensive line did not traject the way that we thought it would last season, and there was close to no improvement over the last few years under him, but he's a nice guy. You know, got to talk to him a few times, so maybe my um, thought about him is clouded in that, but he wasn't a monster, and so we're going to root for him, but wow, Alabama. <laughs> okay, good luck, guys. Uh, all right, and then Brandon Jordan, uh, he is at Ohio State right now. He jumped over to Seattle for a season, and now he is with Ohio State in some uh, defensive analyst role, not even a coach, so... Look at Ohio State having a coaching staff that's probably better than half the teams in the NFL already. So good luck to him. Now we're going to crack open the mailbag here. We're going to do a football question right now and then do basketball in segment three. Darren writes in, which Darren, I'm so sorry you wrote this in about four months ago, I feel like, but God, it's just been really busy here. Darren writes in, little football hypothetical for you. It's fall 2026, year three of the Jonathan Smith era. Do you think the program is at a spot where they can get a rivalry road win in South Bend against Notre Dame? Went there this weekend, and it got me thinking. Now, that could be tough because ideally, ideally, you are breaking in a new quarterback. Okay, Ideally, Childs is playing two seasons here and then going to the NFL draft. If Childs is still here, that means one of two things. That means, one, our NIL is off the chain, and we gave him an offer that beats the NFL offers. Or, scenario number two, things aren't panning out for Aiden Childs the way we all thought, and instead of going to the draft, he's coming back for another year. So, ideally, we don't want Childs to be here for this game because, hey, if he's going to live up to this billing... He's going to have a really good next two years and then go to the NFL draft. Now, speaking of quarterback, 
I, this is considering that maybe this guy doesn't transfer in this day and age, but five-star quarterback C.J. Carr out of Michigan, that will be his third season at Notre Dame. So not only could we be breaking a new quarterback, their shiny five-star down there could be in his third season. So it, it could be a tough one, but um, could we? Yeah, maybe. I mean, hey, it's three years for these guys to develop. What is Jonathan Smith's staff really good at? Developing players. And I'd imagine that maybe like you, Darren, a lot of Michigan State fans will drive down there to make it less of a hostile atmosphere. I'm not going to say it's going to be a neutral field game, but maybe that softens the blow. I, I would put it at a low percentage just because new quarterbacks are always hard to break in uh, at the start of the season. But, hey, you know, crazier things have happened in South Bend between Notre Dame and Michigan State. Folks, we will be back here in a hot segment with your basketball questions just need to talk your ear off about FanDuel Sportsbook. And, hey, if you're feeling great about not just the basketball team, which I can understand if you're not feeling too great about them right now, you still can bet on them to make the Final Four, though, on FanDuel. Let's say you're feeling even better about the hockey team. Yes, FanDuel has futures on NCAA Hockey National Champions. Michigan State, sixth best odds in the country at 11 to 1. So that's a $1, no, I'm sorry, that is a $10 bet to pay $110. If you're feeling good about those icy Spartans, mosey on over to FanDuel. Also, Hey, if you're just an NBA better, if you just like basketball, well, get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That is $150 if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. So... What are you waiting for out there? Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. It's FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Now let's keep swimming in that mailbag. We're going to go to the basketball court here. We're going to start with one of my favorite emailers, one of my favorite listeners. I love every single one of you, but Papa Maddox writes in, well, I understand being upset at the way this basketball season has gone. I wonder if we have set the bar a little high. MSU has not been last in the Big Ten since I was 14. I am 73, Papa Maddox says. MSU is by all accounts in the top five of the Big Ten right now. Some power rankings have them at four even after the Iowa game. How many Big Ten teams are making the tournament? We have more offensive rebounds than Iowa. MSU was down 16 in the second half and lost by seven. The effort was there. The shooting was off. Period. End of sentence. Suck it up, buttercup, is what he ends the email with. And no, Papa Maddox, I will not suck it up. This buttercup over here will still be upset about that Iowa game. I get it. They put up a good fight in the second half. And I get it. They're still one of the better teams in the Big Ten. They're not in the basement like Michigan is over there. But I and a lot of state fans have expectations for this team the ones that the Hall of Fame coach has paved the last few decades. Now, look, I get that this season has been a disappointment because, hey, we enter the season top five, and now look at us. We're clawing our way to a seven seed in the tournament. Let's take the top five seeding away right now. Like, let, let, let's, just, let's just act like Michigan State started the season unranked. This is still where my angst comes from, most of it at least, and probably a lot of state fans' angst, is that this goes beyond this year. Like, it has been since the pandemic, since Michigan State has really been a team worth keeping an eye on in February for the Big Ten title chase. This could very well be a season that does not end in the second weekend. So now we're looking at just one Sweet 16 in the last four or five years. 
this used to be a proud program where we would go to a Final Four every four or five years. So that has been some frustration too. But to zoom in and just focus on the Iowa game, the, okay, the, the second half was fun. A.J. Hogard came to life. It was cool. But it's not just that they lost. It's how they lost and what we found out after the game. Because as we're watching the first half, we're thinking to ourselves, wow, is that just me or do they not really seem dialed in? You know, I, I know it's such a lazy term to throw around like, oh, they just they aren't playing enough. Or, oh, they're just in outer space right now. But when you find out after the game that Davis Smith, after shoot-around and warm-ups, was reaming his team out because he saw that they were not dialed in, that they let the recent winning streak get a little too much to their heads, you're kind of justified as a fan watching on TV or watching in Breslin Center and thinking, huh, this team doesn't seem like they're that focused. And it's the fact that you could have a team this old made of 23-year-olds, made of guys that should be hungry to win at the end of their Michigan State careers, walk into a game on February 20th, not pedal to the metal. Like, I, I know that just seems like just meatball brain take of, oh, the effort wasn't there, they don't care enough. Like, But really, like they, they were called out for it by poor David Smith, who's just trying to will his team to some energy here. So that is the cocktail, is that this is going on for a few years. Also, your senior players are kind of sleepwalking through a half when it should be winning time. And also, too, you know, well, let's just throw this in for a cherry on top. A big reason they lost that game was the front court. And what were a lot of people right on before the season? Myself included, probably yourself included. That this front court ain't it, man. That you could probably have used a transfer in the front court at a big man position. And look, it wasn't just Tom Izzo not trying, but it was the defiance of which it was handled. It was like, no, we're we're not going to go to the portal. We are going to stick with our guys. We're going to beat the system. It's like, well, that, that system really would have helped you and really would have shored up a lot of issues because with just an adequate center, Michigan State probably has three, four, maybe five more wins this season. So it's just a mixture of all that. that that's why I'm not going to suck it up over here. That's why this Buttercup will still be a little peeved that they lost as nine-and-a-half-point favorites against Iowa. So Zach writes in, uh, long-time listener, long, uh, sorry, long-time listener, huge fan of the show. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that. All year I've been in the camp to play Booker, not only because he's been the best option, but because of the future and risk of the transfer. With how Izzo is using him, I don't know how he doesn't transfer. With that being said, next year's recruiting class, no center and one development six foot nine guy. Jesse McCulloch, I, he's not a center. He is a stretch four, just like you're saying, Zach. Probably no use of the portal. Worries for more of the same next year, Og, help go green. I can't help you. Um, now, look, I don't mean to fan the flames of the Xavier Booker transferring panic. Um, I, I like to think that we've done a good job on the show of not even acknowledging that, hey, Xavier Booker could transfer, because I know that a lot of fans have had that worry dating back to December. But at this point now, I, I'm starting to come to that side of, huh, I, I wonder why he stays. Now, there is a three-part cocktail to why now that I have jumped the bridge. And I'm wondering, seriously, if Xavier Booker is going to transfer this offseason. Part one is the quotes. Every single week we get the quotes like, oh, we got to get him more minutes. Oh, we got to get him more time. Yes, he's coming along. Yes, he's gained so much weight. Like, good weight. not Obviously not overweight, unplayable weight. You, you know what I mean. 
it, it's hearing your coach say that over and over again and then getting zeroed out in games or just playing in the first half, okay? That's enough to drive you crazy first and foremost. The second part of this is now we are seeing the playing time and seeing him be productive in those minutes. Not too long ago, five points in five minutes. He looks like he belongs in the first half and then gets zeroed out the rest of the game. That's your second part to be crazy. And the third reason why I'm really starting to look at, huh, could this actually happen, him transferring, is that we've seen at least one disgruntled family member, his mom, go on Twitter and say, it's not the not playing that we don't like, it's that the being lied to is what we don't like. I'm paraphrasing there, but that was the sentiment of what it was. I think that tweet has since been deleted, but nevertheless, there's some frustration in the family too. Like, this isn't just us that are peeved about how Xavier Booker has been handled. It's also the family, too. So you add those three things. Look, I'm not saying it's a 95% chance he's going to transfer, but I think it's certainly closer to 50 than it was maybe two, three weeks ago. So, yeah. And as far as, oh, God, as far as the future of the center position, I've got nothing. They have no center next year's class, just like you said. And you want to take a peek at 2025? You know what position they're really not recruiting right now is the center position. So, yes, they do have to hit the portal next year for center. It will just be straight-up malpractice if they don't do it. But, yeah, we'll we'll see, and we'll, of course, harp on that throughout the, the offseason because um, just like we said with the last question, you're a competent big man away from three, four, maybe five more wins this season. Now, Jack is going to be the last question we get to, and i got to say, I'm going to add some commentary here uh, as we read this email. Jack starts off with just some very kind words for the show. Really do appreciate that, Jack. And then we get into this. I wanted to ask you if you think there's any player comparison between Cohen Carr and Jumpin' Johnny Green. Now, when I read this email, I took a hard stop right there. And I said, look... I know I'm not a GQ model. I know my hairline is scaling back with every single loss that we have seen in the last few years. Okay, but how old do I look where I can give an appropriate comparison for Cole Carr and Jumpin' Johnny Green, a guy that played seven decades ago? Like, surely I can't look that bad on YouTube. But then he goes on to add this when I kept on reading. Don't know much about Green because he was way before both our times. So thank you for acknowledging he was way before both our times. But I've heard old stories about how he could set a quarter down on the top of the backboard. Thanks again for the great energy you bring. Go Green. Go White, Jack. Really do appreciate those kind words. Um... Man, after doing some more research on Johnny Green, um, who his number is in the rafters at Breslin Center, of course, this guy has one hell of a story here. For those not up to speed, we'll, we'll go through the cliff notes here. Johnny Green, under six feet during high school, okay? And then when he was in the military, shot up to six foot five during the Korean War. Now... Of course, shooting up that quick and also playing uh, basketball in the military base on their teams, that, that really did some wear and tear on his legs. He had shin splints so bad that he couldn't even walk in some cases. But how did Michigan State sell him on the Spartans? They said, now whether this is true or not, I could not verify. They said that, well, we have springs under our floors, so that's going to be a little easier to walk on. That was part of the reason that Jumpin' Johnny Green came to Michigan State is that, yeah, you're not going to be landing on a straight hardwood floor. We could help your little shin issue that you got there. Now, his freshman year, 
He was 23 years old. He was 23 years old because he did his military service first, and by the time he was drafted, he was a ripe 26-year-old rookie. Now, there was a Dayton Daily News story that had this little anecdote in there. This is uh, his freshman year. Now, freshman players couldn't play back then, so the coach, uh, Forty Anderson, he sent him to the upstairs gym. And the assistant coach came downstairs. He grabbed Forty Anderson and said, um, you're going to want to come upstairs right now because what was Johnny Green doing upstairs in the gym? He was grabbing the cables that were suspending the basketball hoop. About 12 feet in the air, he was grabbing onto those cables. After that, Forty Anderson said, get on down here, get a jersey. And at Michigan State, not only was he solid on the offensive end, but career rebounding average of 16.4 rebounds per game. He grabbed 1,036 rebounds in three seasons. Forty Anderson actually credited him with accounting for 50 points per game. Not just, you know, the high teens that he averaged, but on the defensive end and rebounding, he was such an athletic menace that he changed the game on defense, too, to the tune of roughly 30 points, according to Forty Anderson. So to make comparisons... Look, we've seen a lot of great athletes here in our recent time here at Michigan State. We've seen Miles Bridges who could jump out the gym, Jason Richardson, of course. And there are probably plenty of guys that I'm not naming that you're thinking of. But just to give a good idea of what was happening seven decades ago, I think we can look at Cohen Carr flying through the air as if he has wings and then maybe realize, like, oh my god, that's kind of maybe what Johnny Green looked like 70 years ago. Imagine, because, whew, um, athletes today, a little better than they were back then. Johnny Green, way ahead of his time. So there is your history lesson right there. So thank you, Jack, for the email. Thank you all for listening. Again, we've got a guest on tomorrow's show, should everything go according to plan. But, yeah, keep it tuned to that. Until then, love you all. Go Green.